Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Don McCauley. Today we're welcoming program author Ramsey Wood, and he is the author of Kalila and Dimna, Volume 1, Fables of Friendship and Betrayal. Before I bring in today's guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews are available on our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and Amazon Fire TV. Our app name on all platforms is simply The Author Show. Ramsey, how are you? I'm not bad, Don. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I'm originally an American, but I've lived away for over 60 years now. So I'm half Southern and half uh, Northern, East Coaster. So tell us about your book. Well, my book was written a long time ago, and it's about animal fables, but they're very old. They come from India over 2,000 years ago, and they make their way across the world until they get to Europe. And I found them, and I thought, this book hasn't been done in 100 years or more. So I thought, let's do a new version. So who did you write your book for specifically? Who's your target audience? Specifically, people who love live storytelling which is probably most of us because we always heard stories from somebody when we were young. And also, we also like to tell jokes and things like that. So any form of oral transmission, this book will be appealing to you. So could you say there's a minimum reading age for the book? I've had people 10 years old, 9 years old, and their parents say they love the book. So it depends on the child, but it's it can be quite rough in certain bits. And some people don't like that. But I would say probably teenagers the best age. So could you say there's any type of central message or perhaps underlying theme that you would say runs throughout your book? That learning things is not necessarily only using your intellect. It is about your intuition. And stories work in different ways than a sort of linear intellectual projection. So if you had to choose, what would you say is the single most important idea you're sharing in your book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? We're all animals, and we can learn even from animals we don't like or we think are beneath us because basically we're all part of nature. So if you compare your book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? The Arabian Nights, because it is a collection of stories which are all linked together, forming one frame story. In the Arabian Nights, it's the Sherazade telling stories so that she doesn't get her head cut off. And in this is an overstory also of a king uh, being told stories by an old man who is trying to help him figure out problems in his kingdom. He's not very popular in his kingdom. So the old man gives him stories which act as a kind of medicine to his thinking and improve his rule. So tell us about Kalila and Dimna. Kalila and Dimna are the inner story. Each, is, each of these is what's called a successive frame story, like in the Arabian Nights. So Kalila and Dimna are two jackal brothers who fight. They're very different personalities, and this is only in book one. Book one, there are five books to the Kalila and Dimna, and I've done four out of the five. And this book is about, as it says, friendship and betrayal. And this first book in Cleolidum is about a betrayal uh, by the king, who in this book is a lion, and the bull, who is, becomes his best friend. But then intrigue at court 
means that the bull gets into a lot of trouble. And the cause of the trouble is the jackal, one particular jackal called Dimna. So where do these stories come from? They originate in India, really, believe it or not, way, way back. Some of them are found in what are called the Jataka Buddhist stories. So there are some stories from the Buddha, which goes back to 450 or 500 BC, but there's no manuscripts or any writing at that time. And they then morph, if you look onto Wikipedia, they morph through time and they get picked up in India in Sanskrit and then they go to Persia, but there are no manuscripts. Every manuscript is a reconstruction of something that people think it might have been like. And eventually it gets to the Arabs in 750 AD. And that is really the beginning of a first solid manuscript that exists. So it's a very, very old book, a bit like Aesop. I mean, nobody knows who Aesop was or how it began. And indeed, some of the stories in Khalil and Dimna are Aesop's stories. The only difference is that Aesop has been worked over by rabbis and priests and imams to give you morals, to try and interpret the story. And actually, that's not what you need. You need to be able to figure the story out for yourself. That's the process of stories. So how do these stories differ from Arabian Nights? Well, the Arabian, the, the Arabian Nights are mostly stories about people in situations. And these are mostly stories. There are people, but they're mostly stories about animals. And that has, it is stated or believed, that has by the original Arab translator who translated it from Persian in 750 AD, he basically said his name was Ibn Mukaffa. And he said that these stories help you to think more clearly about what situation you're in. It's more like a gauge or a, a way to figure out what's actually happening around you rather than a moral sort of saying, you know, don't pick your nose or don't speak with your mouth full. It's much more intuitive. It's gradual too. You don't necessarily get the meaning of a story immediately. You might get it a bit later. So in regards to your writing, did your environment or upbringing play any major role in your writing? It did. My father was worked in the State Department and as a child, I traveled quite a lot. By the age of five, I was in Brussels and learning to, learning French in a school because the only school that was open to me was a French school, a French school in Belgium. So I traveled a lot as a child and even as a teenager. I was in Vietnam and Saigon when there were only 50 Americans there. So this is a very unlikely, you couldn't have planned this childhood. It just happened to me. And it was my luck. I managed to go to lots of different countries and lots of different cultures. And I continued that as an adult because I became, first of all, a professional photographer. So then I traveled to different places to do that job. So why did you decide to write this book? I like puzzles. And another friend of mine who was a writer said, this book is driving me crazy. I thought I could do this, but I can't do it. I don't understand. It's, the structure is so strange. So I think that my initial emphasis is that I quite like chess puzzles. And this was an amazing puzzle. Here's a book which has been around for over 2,000 years, of which there's no manuscript. There's only derivative versions. I mean, there's literally hundreds of versions in different languages. Uh, and scholars debate about which one's the real one. And how do you find out this? It's, uh, so you have to sort of backtrack through, in my case, I did 
Sanskrit versions, Persian versions, Arabic versions, and an English version. The first English version was published in 1570, and it was published by the same man that Shakespeare used for all of his plays, whose name is eluding me at the moment, but never mind, you can look it up. And it was it was called the philosophy, the moral philosophy of Donny, and it is a sort of Renaissance masterpiece. But nobody reads it much except me. I read it, and I thought this is an amazing book because I did study English at school and at, and at university. What's been your most rewarding experience since publishing this book? I would say the most rewarding experience was morphing from being a storyteller because I began as a member of a bunch of storytellers in London called the College of Storytellers. And I started telling these stories to live audiences. And that opened my eyes, my ears, my understanding, if you will, that transmitting information orally, as we're trying to do now, is quite different than having it come off the page. It's much more immediate. It uh, goes directly into you. And if, it's, if, it's, if the language is good, uh, which these stories are, if you, you have to get down to the base story. So that might mean you have to go through four different linguistic versions to get a story that works for now, because you're not going to write a story you know, that's 1570, which has got all kinds of religious aspects to it, which is going to turn a lot of people off. It's just got to be what's the story without any interpretation by people trying to guide people into one or another belief system. So how would you describe the writing style you use? Eclectic. I've tried to use old language and new language and mess with the way the writing works. I change tense. I change, you know, I, I had fun writing this book, a lot of fun. It was very slow, but I like writing it. And I used to write it standing up at a stand-up desk. This is in the 19, late 1970s and looking in a mirror and trying to become the characters. This is quite a normal trick for writers. It's multicultural because I would derive images from Indian versions of this book, Arab, Persian, Old Spanish, Jewish, but I can't remember which language was. Lots of different linguistic versions which have been translated into English. Each one would have its own cultural vernacular. And sometimes that was very funny if you put it back into English. Don't ask me for an example at the moment. One may come in a minute. But I mean, the, the place is, the book is literate. By the way, there are two volumes of this book. You talk, we're talking about volume one. But uh, it took me 30 years to get back to volume two because it was pretty tiring to write the first one. Anyway, it wasn't my main job. I'm not a writer who has to live off my writing. I like doing it. But now I've stopped doing everything else. I think, oh, well, I'll go back to writing again. So other than selling your book, of course, is there anything else you hope to accomplish with it? I'd like to get the message out that storytelling is quite different from story reading. Story reading off of a page and writing for the page is very different than doing it, as you know from uh, hosting radio shows, from doing it orally, from doing it in a way that makes people listen and makes them interested in what's being said. There's a skill in language and in voice, which I'm very rusty at, in making it interesting to people so that they can still listen to the story. So in your opinion, who should buy your book? People who are interested in storytelling that they experience as a child or experience it now, if they're either professional 
storytellers or people who like to go to storytelling or people who are really interested in the history of literature because this is a key book in the history of literature. It goes right back. There's nothing like this book in terms of its antiquity. And it's got good reviews from people who know a lot more about writing than I do. You can check it out on my website. I didn't write those reviews. Other people did. Some of them famous. So where can readers find out more about you and your work? Well, there's, I've got a fairly decent website now, ramseywood.com. It shows you all the editions of my book in different languages. It's in German, Italian, French, English. And that's probably the best place to go is the website. I'm on Wikipedia. You can find out more about stuff there. I mean, I'm kind of coming out because I thought, well, I'm over 75. Let's talk about my old book because I still like it. You can visit the website at ramseywood.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y. Well, this has been just great. Our guest today has been Ramsey Wood, and he is the author of Kalila and Dimna, Volume 1, Fables of Friendship and Betrayal. Ramsey, thanks very much for being with us today. Thanks, Don. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. Go out there, buy the book today, and please share this interview with your friends so that they, too, have the opportunity to discover our guests and their work. The Author Show can be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com. Selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Fire TV, the Roku Channel, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and many more. And whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books to read, The Author Show is a great place to start. Check us daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.